Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. So at the beginning of this year, uh, Pastor Greg got about um, new thoughts, new dreams, new ways, and new seasons. And so I've been praying and meditating on on this aspect, and it's like, God, like, what are you doing? And I mean, how many know, like, when you start your year off and you fast and you say, okay, God, what is it that you want? And it's kind of like a, I think someone said to me, it's like a spank me fast. Like, it's like God gave you little spankings on different areas that he wants you to change or to correct or to deal with. But then there was things that he's been starting to impart in me. So this I want to share on. So last week, Pastor Greg was sharing about the life of Joseph. And we saw how, like, God gave, spoke through a dream, and there was new thoughts involved in new ways, and it, it actually saved two entire nations because of God's intervention. Amen? Oh, this, all right. When um, they start, uh, new seasons is kind of like what I want us to look at tonight. And how they interact, because it's important for us to know what season we're in. Just like, you know, when it's fall, I know, okay, I've got to prepare and get all my lawn furniture put away, and i got to rake the leaves, and i got to cover my plants and get things ready for the winter season. I know that winter is coming. It, in a way, you can say that takes faith, because I'm believing winter is on its way right? It's the same as when um, springtime comes. I know that I have to prune things. I have to be able to cultivate things because I know in the summer months, I'm going to start reaping harvest. So even in the natural, God has different seasons. We look at in Ecclesiastes, he says, you know, there's a time to live, there's a time to die, there's a time for war, there's a time for peace, there's a time for, you know, uh, life, there's a time for death, there's a time to plant, there's a time to reap, there's a time to build, there's a time to tear down. And it's like, if you keep going on with Ecclesiastes, no wonder that man was just like, you know, you like, guy was really smart. But in that, it's like, wow, how on earth do you know what time or season it is? And you know, God wants us to be aware of the season that he's calling the body of Christ into. Because then every time we step out, we step out into the season that he's in. And he's, he is in a new season. You know, it doesn't matter. When a new season starts, it doesn't start. It's not like I'm sitting there and all of a sudden it starts to snow and I go, oh, it's winter time. And then when it's, you know, spring, tulips start blooming. Oh, it's springtime. Anybody can do that. And as believers, we can be not hearing the voice of God and kind of like just as things go along, oh, so this is what the body's in. Oh, this is what the body's in, the body of Christ. But I want to be the person that actually hears the voice of God and says, okay, God, what's, what, what are you doing? What season are we in? And he says, okay, this is a time to do this. And you set your course. 
And I'm going to go through a few. There are, the whole word of God, when I've been meditating and studying this, I am so surprised at how just throughout the whole Bible is full of how God <laughs> put new thoughts, new dreams, new ways, and new seasons into the earth through this. So we're going to touch on a few, okay, to stir us up. So first of all, when, they, when a new season, um, it starts from the mind of God, and he speaks it to his children. You know, I don't want to lose that. I don't think I need, well, maybe I do. When he speaks to us a new season, it's, it comes from the mind of God. It doesn't come from you and me having a planning committee and coming up with the next reasonable thing that we think we should do. It actually comes outside of you and I. It comes from him. Like, aren't we so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit? And I love that even, it, and, and the thing with new seasons, over and over and over and over and over again, when I look at the examples God did in the Word, is they never came at convenient times. It was never like everything lined up all smooth and sweet, and then he says, okay, I want you to go and take this now. It was always giants they were facing. It was near impossibilities. It was when everything looked like it was in ruins. It was like when nobody had it. There were great famines. It was like when wounds were barren. Like, talk about impossible feats. And to God, he's just like, oh, I want to tell you something. I'm doing a new season now. And what you've lived in is over. And he's doing that to us today. That's what he's doing to us today. Sometimes we can get so caught up into, well, that's how it's always been. Or, you know, like, I just, I can't seem to get breakthrough. I just, I've learned to live with this limp. Bless God, I've learned to live with it. Spiritual limp I'm talking about. And we work around it, and we work around it. And God's saying, look, I've got a new season, and it's going to require a new thought and a new way, and I'm going to give you dreams and visions. Because I'm not a God that just expects you to know. I'm not a God that leaves you ill-equipped or doesn't give you the Holy Spirit and his power and his might to be able to accomplish that very thing that is on my heart. That's who our God is. He's with us. And he wants us to be able to walk into the new season that he has. It requires us to recognize the new season that he has brought to us. And it requires us to have these from him. It's the first place it needs to be. You know, that's why the enemy hates you getting into the word and he hates you praying. That's why. There's such an attack on that. Because he knows if he can get you through that, you're not able to hear. It doesn't mean God's not doing or he's not speaking. It just means we have to unstop. And we're going to go there tonight. 
in Daniel chapter 2. You know, we, we won't read the whole chapter because I got several here. But the king was about to execute all the wise men. Daniel was, he was brought in all, like, like a slave. Some even think maybe it, historically he, he could have been a eunuch. You know, when Daniel and his men came in, they were known as wise men. And the king came up with an impossible feat. He said to all his wise men, he says, look it, I've had enough of you not telling me what's real and what's this. I had a dream that really, really disturbed me last night. And you're going to tell me that dream and you're going to interpret it. And all the wise men, Daniel wasn't present. He didn't even know that this was going on. All the wise men are like, you know, they're trying to stall for time. They're trying to, oh, yes, yes, we'll interpret the dream for you. Just tell us what it is. And he's like, no, not having it. You're going to tell me my dream that I know you heard. And they're like, we can't do that. You're asking the impossible. He says, fine, I'm going to execute you all. And then Daniel finds out about that. And Daniel, he goes, why are it says that he used great tact. He says, well, why, why are you, uh, you know, why, why is he saying this? He says, because he said, you know, he had a dream and someone needs to give it to him. And Daniel said, get me to be able to see the king. And he says, let me have time. And he went and he, he, went and he pleaded with his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he used their Jewish name. He said, we need to cry out to God for mercy. We need to hear what God is saying in this situation. And God is so faithful. He gave them the whole thing. And as it unfolds, we see how, you know, Daniel was able to go and tell him it all. It, it changed from a dream to a, a, he had a vision from God, it says, at night. And because he had that intervention from only God could do, and he took no recognition of that. He went and he says, King, I have the dream that you had. And no man on earth could have, no wise man on earth could have given you this. But he says, but God. But God. And you know what? It changed the whole course, the whole season that they were in. Daniel all of a sudden was given... He became the um, leader and administrator over all of the wise men. And then it says that he became the head, and he was lavish with many gifts and presents and money and not to the wazoo. And then his three friends were also given, they were becoming the administrators and leaders over Babylon. And we know as we continue on, on Daniel, it didn't end there. Then Daniel's season changes again. Daniel changes again. How many times did that man go through several different seasons? And it's easy when we read it in the Word to be able to point it out and say, oh, this and this and this. But the one thing that Daniel did is he remained constant in the things of God, in being able to hear the voice of God and to be able to have boldness and a resolve in himself whether I suffer for the things of God or whether I am being lavishly loved upon because of what God's word was, I'm going to speak the word of God.
and I'm going to hear the voice of God for the time that I am in. And that's how you and I must live. It hasn't changed just because we're not in the Old Testament. We need to know the season that we're in through God's perspective. We see even in the life of Christ, you know, when Jesus was born, we saw, you know, over Christmas, all the turmoil and everything that they, he went through to even get here and all of that. And if you look at it, I remember once I had the girls, um, young, young girls at our um, house. We had a young girls group from the kids that came up through Kids Church, uh, not Kids Church, Kids Club. They kind of, as they got older, they were like, well, we want something for our age. And I'm like, well, we don't have anything for their age. And I took it, and I was just praying. I, I really wasn't even praying over that because I just dismissed it, to be honest. And I remember praying one day, and God said, just hit me. Talk about a new thought in a new way. And he hit me, and he said, these girls, he says, I heard them asking to be able to learn more about me. And he says, and their lives and blood will be on your head, what you do with it. Okay, God, we're going to start that group this week. <laughs> and so we did. <laughs> and I remember the first time when I showed them um, the nativity. You know, uh, it's called the nativity. You know that movie, the nativity? And I loved it because I loved the way that Joseph is presented in there. I thought they made a strong, manly uh, you know, man of Joseph in that. And I remember them watching it in horror. And they looked at me and they said, this is like a horror movie. Everybody's dying. And there's so <laughs> And when I saw it through their eyes, I thought, yeah, that's true. But it's like in God's perspective from heaven, the angels were all rejoicing and singing. I mean, when the shepherds were at the flocks by night, the whole sky was lit up with angels singing and rejoicing that the time had actually come, that a new season had actually come, that Emmanuel was now with us, that we were that much closer to being able to see the fullness of what Christ was going to do from the, before the foundations of the earth. Whole different perspective. And then the whole time Christ is on earth, how many times did the disciples think he was going to build a natural kingdom? He was going to do this. He was going to do that. Even when he died, it says that the Satan himself would not have crucified him if he knew what he was going to do. And then if you read about his resurrection, when he actually comes and starts talking to the disciples, the disciples still say to him, oh, Okay, now are you going to do it? It's like, no, this is a new thing, a new way. Uh, this is my season that I have finished what I came to set forth to do. And now you're going to walk and live in that benefit. Oh, you guys don't look too excited. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're talking about Jesus here. 
All right, let's turn to Second Chronicles. I think I'm going to do it on my phone. It's easier for me to see. Verse, we'll start at verse 5. Chapter 5, I mean. No, chapter 15, sorry. Second Chronicles chapter 15. Verse, and we'll start, we'll start at one, because you guys might need a little history lesson on King Asa. <clears throat> I love this, because, you know, Pastor Greg was saying last week, he doesn't like reading the kings and stuff, because they're so depressing, because so many of them did bad things, and they all turned away from God, and it's a sad story. True, but there also are some good ones that did much. And so we're going to look at one that did much. So in verse 1 it says, Then the Spirit of God came upon Ezariah, son of Obed, and he went out to meet King Asa as he was returning from the battle. Listen to me, Asa, he shouted. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. But whenever they were in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him out, they found him. During those dark times, it was not safe to travel. Problems troubled the people of every land. Nation fought against nation and city against city, for God was troubling them with every kind of problem. But as for you, be strong and courageous, for your work will be rewarded. Look, at, there was trouble on every side. There, it, it wasn't even safe to travel. It was awful. And they lived under that for a long time. And then it says, and when Asa heard the message from Azariah the prophet, he took courage. And I love what he does with the word once he gets it. Because a lot of times when a new season begins, it comes from a prophetic word. It comes from God speaking into a situation to bring clarity. And this is what... what um, I love about King Asa as he looks at this. So then he takes the word, and then this is how he starts to apply the word. He starts believing that that word is actually true, and he starts applying that into his life. And that's the one thing we got to start seeing. When people give you a prophetic word or you receive a prophetic word, sometimes we're, we're going up there wanting them handed out like M&Ms. And it's like, we don't need, and a lot of times it's not the word we're looking for, it's the validity of feeling like I'm actually important, that we're actually wanting. Not even so much what the word is. But if you look at what prophecy actually is, is when it starts, it gives a direction or a place to be able to set your course and to chart yourself. And, you know, you don't need a lot of them. There are some that God has given me that it will take me my entire life to walk out. 
but it keeps me going this way. It keeps me running with endurance, going in the right direction. I love what he does with the word. Because it says that he took courage when God gave him that word. He's like, don't worry about what's been going on for all this time. I know that this has been hell going on. But I want you to take courage. And he says, he took courage. He removed all the detestable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin. And in the towns he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. So he removed the idols. In our own lives. And I look at that fast. There's things that God says, all right, I want that removed. He starts with looking at those things that may have popped up that are like an idol. He says, I want that removed. Have the courage to remove those things. Then he says, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which stood in front of the entry room of the Lord's temple. He repaired. You may have a relationship with God that looks like it's been damaged. It's not what it once was when you fell in love with him, with your first love. He's like, look it, I want you to remove these things out of your life, and I want you to repair this first. And King Asa was so good at that. He, he it says, that, and he repaired the altar of the Lord. And then Asa called together all the people of Judah and Benjamin along with the people of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, who had settled among them. For many from Israel had moved to Judah during Asa's reign, when they saw that the Lord his God was with them. And the people gathered at Jerusalem in late spring, during the 15th year of his reign. So now, not only did he remove the idols, next he said, I'm going to repair the altar, and then, it sound kind of like familiar of what we have to do as the body of Christ in Canada. And he says, now I'm going to assemble the people. That's where you and I come in. And on that day, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 cattle, 7,000 sheep, and it goes on to what they did. <clears throat> then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and soul. And they agreed that if anyone refused to seek the Lord, the God of Israel, uh-oh, I'm glad we're in the New Testament, not the old. It says they would be put to death, whether young or old, man or woman. And they shouted out their oath of loyalty to the Lord with trumpets blaring and ram's horns sounding. And all of Judah were happy about the covenant, for they had entered it in it with all their heart. They earnestly sought after God, and they found him. And it says, and the Lord, what? New season. Gave them rest. He gave them rest from their enemies on every side, every front, new season. But for us to walk into that new season and to be able to usher in a new season, it requires a people who are going to understand what he's asking and to be able to do the hard work that it takes to get there. And King Asa did that. 
it, like, he removed the idols. It even says that he disposed of his grandmother. After he, he dealt with that, then it says he even disposed of her because she had made an Asherah pole, uh, like an Asherah idol. I love King Asa. We, I love that he says to him, do not give up. And, and he took courage in that. People, God is saying, don't give up. There is greatness in this room because we have Holy Spirit with us. We don't look or need to look to someone else. We just need to look to him. We just need to be a people that hear him. First Chronicles 12.32. All right. This is the people that we want to be. Verse 32. It says, From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. I want to be like that. I want to be like the tribe of Issachar, that I understand the times and seasons that we are in with the Lord and that he will give me the best course of action. And that's for us. And I love that it wasn't just Issachar. And then all his tribe followed him. I love that it says they all were men that had that. Isn't that wonderful to think? Let's turn to Judges 5. This is talking about Issachar. Okay? Because you think, I, I got looking into Issachar. This is how my, my noodle brain works. I start here, and then it goes like this. Woo, woo, over here okay so now we're on the Issachar train ride and we're going to see all right God if they were men who understood the times and seasons and it says and they knew what the best course was for Israel I can't really remember a whole lot that these guys did <laughs> you know I just remember as being one of the 12 tribes so then God what did they do let's go there the song of Deborah Everybody knows about Deborah, right? Okay. If not, her song will kind of encapsulate what she did. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinom, sang this song. Israel's leaders took charge, and the people gladly followed. Praise the Lord. No, I want to change that. I don't want NLT for that one. I like this other version. Yes, 
NIV. I don't know what you got up there. Like his words, pictures, and I like the picture of this one. When the when the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. That just made me happy right there, because you and I are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And when we're willingly offer ourselves, what can come out of that? Hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. When you, Lord, went out from Seir, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water, the mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of uh, Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers took to winding paths. Look, at, this was such a bad time and there was so much war and chaos going on that it, it actually talks about, if you read it in chapter 4, it talks that... Um, the king of Canaan, it says that he had like 900 chariots of iron and this and that. And it says that he cruelly oppressed the Israelites for over 20 years. And it says, and then they called out to the Lord. And this is God's answer. And Deborah, Deborah, was, she was one who was meeting with all the people of Israel. They would come, it says, to the tree and she would... That they would share their disputes, and she was like a judge. She judged those things. And then all of a sudden, new vision, a new word from God. And she says, go call. Call uh, Barak up to me, and I want to share this word with him. And so that's how even all of this happened. She's like, now. Now is the time that you're going to go up and fight this army. And that army was huge. It was massive. And they were just a little group of people. But she got the now word. And she, she called forth Barak, and she shared that now word. She says, now it's time for us to overtake. It says, the highways were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. That means they were avoiding that this is the direct route. But because of all the conflict and everything that was going to happen and go on, let's just keep traveling all through this windy way to try and avoid the conflict. And I sometimes feel like that's kind of like what I've felt like for the last three years. I feel like I'm walking on windy pathways trying to avoid conflict, trying to avoid conflict. It's like, this should not be. It says, the villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel. 
God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates, but not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. Out of 40,000 men, no one was willing to fight. Everybody was just wanting to wander around and ignore the situation, ignore and try to avoid as much conflict as we possibly can. People, we are more than conquerors in Christ. We don't have that option. I, I am done trying to deacon, dodge, and avoid and refuse to pick up the weapons that God himself gave me. It's time to rise up and to fight. The Bible says we're to fight the good fight of faith. We're going to get into that. It says, my heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. Even the volunteers are honored in this song. I love that. The willing volunteers. Oh, in our church, we have so many willing, wonderful volunteers. I love that. Because when there's many volunteers, think of what God can do through us. You know, not everybody has to come up with the idea or be the spearhead to lead it. But I'll tell you one thing, not one great idea or thing that somebody steps into will ever be able to be accomplished with one little person. It takes an army to be able to see those things through. And I thank God for the willing volunteers who are filled with faith. Think of it, the first martyr ever was Stephen. What was he? A volunteer waiting on tables full of the Holy Spirit. That's you and I. Then it says, you who ride on white donkeys, sitting on your saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road, consider the voice of the singers at the watering places. This is what the worship team does. This is what our worship team does. They recite the victories of the Lord, the victories of his villagers in Israel. That means when they're going down, down, this is what they're hearing from the voice of God, all the victories. You know what that does when you start hearing that? It starts putting faith on the inside of you. It starts making you feel like you can do something through Christ. Instead of sitting there hearing all the whining and complaining and how horrible everything is, I mean, that just makes you want to go stick your head in bed and not come out. <laughs> it just takes simple things to stir ourselves up. Wake up, Deborah. Wake up, wake up, break out in song. Arise, Barak. Take captive your captive, son of Abinom. The remnant of the nobles came down. The people of the Lord came down to me against the mighty. Some came from Ephraim, whose roots were in Amalek. Benjamin was with the people who followed you. 
And then and we keep going. Zebulon, those who bear a commander staff. And look at the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Yes, Issachar was with Barak, sent under his command into the valley in the districts. Well, we won't, won't read that next part. Sent under his command into the valley. Now, just reading that like a song, but if you go back to chapter 4, the amazing thing about that, and this is why you know that they heard and knew the, the times and seasons that they were in. Because when Deborah got the word from God and she summoned Barak, do you know the only people that she said for him to get? She says, I command you, you bring 10,000 people from the tribe of Zebulon and Naphtali, and it's time for you to go to war. And yet we hear this song, how did the tribe of Issachar, how did the princess of Issachar end up in that battle? On the valley. And guess what? As you continue on, it says, Reuben, what, why were you there uh, waiting in your shepherd fields with so much indecision on your heart, wondering whether you want to do it or not do it? And, and why, uh, I think it was Asher, why, why are you like down at your shipyard, sitting on your ships, lingering, kind of like, well, we'll just kind of wait and see, you know, if they, they don't make it, well, we're safe here. But Issachar knew this is a word from God and this is a time we're in that it is no longer time to cower back and to stand defeated and to be meandering around our roads trying to avoid confrontation it is now a time for us to go to battle and to say I'm, I'm taking this now And Issachar got to enjoy being right up front. It says, you know, Zebulon and Naphtali, it says that they risked their lives doing that. Well, what? Their brothers were all sitting back, no one wanting to join in. Zebulon and Naphtali were ordered to go into war. And they did it. But you and I... We have the Holy Spirit. We can hear what the time and season is that we're in. I'm telling you, it's not a time to flinch back. It's a time to build. It's not a time to keep going backwards and, and being boxed in. It's a time to speak with boldness. And if you don't have the boldness, like King Azza said, he says, give me courage. It gave him courage, that very word. You know, when the disciples saw that um, after Jesus died and rose again, when the disciples saw that it was costing people their lives, uh, they didn't say, oh, well, let's try and hide the gospel, you know, in the back room and just kind of secretly say it. They had wisdom on how they had to do it, obviously. But it says they went and they said, give us boldness to proclaim your word, God. And the place shook because they knew that what they needed, they didn't have to be able to do the season that they were in. I feel like there's a lot of things we need to be asking God for because we don't have it right now. We are lacking. 
I'm putting myself, big smiley face, in the front of everything that I'm pointing to your heart on. This is what I'm contemplating with in my own life. The question wasn't, well, you got to stop preaching the gospel because you're told to. The, the, the prayer was, God, give me boldness to be able to continue what you've told me to do. I want to see that tenacity, that grit on the inside of us as believers, and especially in this fellowship. Amen? I want to see that rise up on in the inside of it. And if you feel, oh, I don't have that in me, oh, well, we'll pray. And it, it, the Holy Spirit does his thing. Oh, God is so wonderful. Where am I? <laughs> okay. Then, then you look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah 2. It says that the city was in complete ruins. We know about Nehemiah. You can read the whole book um, when you go home. It's a really good one. Um, but it says that when Nehemiah was serving the king and the whole, every, all the walls were destroyed, everything was just rubble. It was just awful. And he was so inside, so distraught. He couldn't even hide his feelings from the king because of how he felt, the condition that they were in. And it says... But Nehemiah, he actually found favor from the king to be able to go and to rebuild the walls. I love that Nehemiah, he went and he looked and he saw. He, he went to all the different gates and he saw everything that was. He, he wasn't blinded to it. He, he chose to confront and look at the condition it was in. See, sometimes we think, oh, what faith, I'm just going to ignore what I'm seeing. Well, I'm not going to look at that. I got faith, I got faith. No, you're just ignoring reality. That's not faith. Faith is being able to look at your condition, but then look at what God says about it. And there are things that need to come down, and there are things that need to be built. And Nehemiah saw, okay, this is a time I need to start building. And you know, the people, it says, this is why he had a heart to rebuild. It's so that the people would no longer suffer. It wasn't so that Nehemiah could go, well, look at what I did. I built, rebuilt the walls. No, he had a pretty good cushy job serving the king. He actually wasn't in as much poverty and everything as his others were. But it's so that the people would no longer suffer. This has to be our heart. Oh, I'm going long. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> oh, well. This has got to be said. 
So when Nehemiah told the people that they were to rebuild, this is what the people said, let us rise up and build. And it says they rolled up their sleeves and they were ready to work. And I love that at one point, I mean, the tax started coming in and it says, we're not stopping. We're not, we're not stopping rebuilding this wall. So they were building with one hand and they had the sword in the other. And they kept going. They kept going at any cost. I, I love the people of God. Because we, we, you know, all those action hero stories that you love seeing and, and you know, the, the little underdog guy and how much he can do and stuff. Well, that's you and me with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's you and me. Doesn't matter who you were, what you did. It's what are you doing now? You know, it says, as they started, um, it, it isn't a time to hide or to hold back. It's not a time to, to uh, refuse because those, those believers, those uh, Israelites, they could have chose not to build the wall. Oh, it's too hard. You see all that rubble? Do you know how much work that's going to take to get rid of all that rubble? Where are we going to put the rubble? You know, we've been like this for years now. Like, why are we, how are we going to do it? And, and then you start bickering and chewing about how you're going to do it. And they're saying, no, it wasn't like that. It was like they got in and they said, all right, at all costs, we're going to do this. They acted like one mind. And in the New Testament, we are told to act. It says, act like you have one mind, unified in the Spirit. We're to act like that with one another. Because you know what? There is so much richness in the full body of Christ doing all its parts well. In 1 Thessalonians 1, it says, works are produced by faith. See, we can do a lot of works, a lot of works. We've been in those, haven't we? <laughs> in church where you do like, ah, and you're doing a lot of work on your own strength. What does that do? It makes you frizzle right out. But when your works are produced by faith, it's what God has fired up and says, this is what I want accomplished on the earth. Then it says, and let your labor is prompted by love. See, we can get tired doing a hard day's work, right? How many have climbed in a bed? I, I love this illustration because I was a stay-at-home mom. And I'll tell you, that, that can sometimes be a thankless job. <laughs> I know Maria really good with kids and has the energy for it. And I, I'm like, wow. I, I was not so, I don't think that way. And sometimes when the kids would go to bed, it was just like, I don't want to go to bed. It's like, oh, please just let me go to bed then. You'd be so exhausted. But because even in your exhaustion, you do it. You love on them because you're prompted. Your labor is prompted by love. That's what God's telling us to do in Thessalonians. 
And then it says, and our endurance is inspired by our hope in Christ. See, that's what keeps you and me running. That's what keeps you and me keep going and going and going. Because how many, how many here have, have been hurt, offended, and used, and all of that? Probably every ham. Yeah. Welcome to the club. The Bible actually says it's the Jesus club. Because he says, if they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. Right? But this is what keeps us going, is that our works are produced by faith. Our labor is prompted by love, and our endurance is inspired by hope. It says the gospel is not simply words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. Ooh, I love it. Power. Our words, we're not just trying to, you know, we used to say it in the 80s, not just trying to, you know, set up a popsicle stick stand. <laughs> That's what you, and anybody my age and older knows what I mean. We're not going to do that. You know, we're not trying to prop up God and say, oh, look, he really is God. And try to win through fine-sounding arguments. No. We, God himself, the Holy Spirit, comes with power as we proclaim the word of God. And deep conviction. And guess what? I'm praying that over me and you. Deep conviction. Because there's two things that I see. That, that the enemy has us going from one ditch or the other. Is after you get born again and you had such a wonderful experience with God, you get born again and then you may sin and you start condemning yourself and you fall into that ditch. And you're like, you know what? I should have known better. I should have known better. I don't know why I keep falling. I should have known better. And you separate yourself from God and you're not drawing from the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to set you free from that. And the other side of the ditch is this one. Oh, it doesn't really matter. It's just a little thing. I don't have to deal with my little things. I don't have to deal with my little attitudes. I don't have to deal with that little thing that I said or did. I don't have to deal with this one. does the same thing. It keeps you far. But when you have deep conviction, even when you think you did well on something, every night before I go to bed, I... I kind of ask God about my day. And it's like, you know, he'll convict me of different things. It's like, oh, God, I'm sorry I didn't see that. I won't do that that way. I'm sorry, I, I won't say that again. God, I'm sorry for this attitude that rolls up on the inside of me. See, deep conviction keeps you sharp. That's what keeps us sharp. See, that's what makes us different. If we want the world to see the gospel in its fullness and its power, they need to be able to see it in our own lives. That's why the fear of God is so important to the body of Christ. And that's why he says that his glory will cover from sea to sea. Well, guess what houses that glory? It's the fear of the Lord. That's what you and I have to walk in.
1 Thessalonians 5, 1. It says, you know the day the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But, I love that every time God does a season or a timing, it's like a but. But, you brothers and sisters are not in darkness, so are not in darkness, so that the day should, surprise, should not surprise you um, like a thief. You are children of light. Let us be awake and sober. Let us be sober putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as our helmet. Encourage one another. Build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. See, we need to continue. We, we, we don't have to live in the dark. He, things don't have to come to us suddenly. And, and one thing I'm seeing a lot of is a lot of craziness going on, a lot of no common sense. But guess what? It's not a surprise to us. They don't have regenerated minds. They don't have the mind of God. And you and I should take comfort in that, that we have a clear and sober mind. Yes, we're going to see craziness, but we're going to see a whole lot more craziness before his return. And the Bible says we need to be clear and sober so that we can what? Discern the times and seasons that we're in and that we can get the word from heaven on what on earth am I supposed to do to navigate through the next thing? God didn't make it so that we couldn't know. He's given us the Holy Spirit for that very reason. My last one, 2 Timothy 4.2. I think it's my last one. Yeah. <laughs> All, this is, it's always a season to preach the word of God. It's never like, oh, well, you know, I discern we're not in that season. No. This is the one thing that is always the season to preach the word of God. It says, be prepared in season or out of season. It says, the time is coming when people will not listen to sound or wholesome teaching. But, another but, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. See, it's always a time for the church to reach the lost. It is always that time. It is whether... It seems like the most inconvenient thing, whether we're imprisoned for it, whether we lose our lives over it, it never changes. In season, out of season, good time, bad time, exhausted or filled. It's a time to speak his word to the lost. That's why you and I are still here. It's because of God's loving kindness and his patience that he even didn't say, okay, I've had enough now. I'm coming back. It says that he's waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles. So that means you and I have a great commission to do. 
And that's continue. And and I love hearing the stories of even this week. You know, different ones of you like praying for a homeless man and and ministering to him and meeting someone in a store and praying for them and their little babies. Like, like it's not like you have to have a program to do that. It's the whole body of Christ constantly in the situation God has you, just like yeast going through the whole dough. In every situation. Amen? So let's be like Issachar. Let's understand the season and the times that God has for us. And I'm telling you, it's a time to build. It's a time like King Azza that had courage. It's a time for courage. It's a time to be able to say, I'm going to tear down those idols. I'm going to come in and I'm going to repair the altar of the Lord. And I'm going to assemble with the believers. And we're going to put our hand, roll up our sleeves, and we're going to work. We're going to, we're going to produce with faith, good works. We're going to be prompted by love in our labor. Amen? We're going to be inspired by the hope in Christ, which will give us that endurance. God is good. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.